enjoy. How do you become the oak of righteousness? You choose life.
Greetings and God bless you, family. I have just completed a series of teachings on the perfect heart. In fact, we looked at seven different facets of what a perfect heart would look like. I want to start sharing a little more on mastery over the human heart because I'm absolutely certain the question will arise in everyone's heart. How can we walk with the seven facets that constitute a perfect heart? Everybody wants a perfect heart. Not one of us would want to fall short or have anything less than a heart that is perfect and a heartbeat that beats exactly like the heartbeat of God. I guess the only way to walk in all seven facets of the perfect heart would be through the Holy Spirit, who actually carries the blueprint of a perfect heart. And of course, the Word of God that brings the enlightening of who the Holy Spirit really is, how He represents God, and how our hearts need to reflect the heart of God. Now, the question will also arise, why must the Melchizedek order, a priest-king order, in this season that is arising in the earth, manifest a perfect heart? What is the issue behind the perfect heart and the Melchizedek order? I believe that God wants to reorder the whole of creation and he's going to reorder the creation from the heart. For everything that the mouth speaks or that the body will carry out actually comes from the heart. The heart is the carrier of the presence of God. Now we also know that whatever we are seeing in the earth today, all kinds of prejudices, prejudice against the female gender, prejudice against racial groups, prejudice against the poor. All of these prejudices, they actually come from the heart. There is a blueprint that has been sown in the human heart that has caused mankind to think inferior of some people and superior of others, setting yourself up above others and hoping that you are better than others. Therefore, if God is going to reorder the creation, then he's going to have to reorder the heart first so that the creation can then be reordered. Now, I also want to say that we will not be able to topple the ungodly, unrighteous, demonic principles that exist in the hearts of men and women unless we topple them first in our own hearts. We will not have the strength or the power to deal with it in somebody else unless we can first topple it in our own hearts. So when we get the victory in our own hearts, we will have the authority and the right to topple and dismantle every prejudice every ungodly, unrighteous, demonic principle in the world that rules the hearts 
of men and women. Now we read in the book of Proverbs, chapter 21, verses 1 to 2. Very interesting scripture. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turns it whithersoever he will. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord ponders the hearts. So we may think that we are right because of our belief system. We may think that we are accurate because of lifestyles. But the Bible says that God ponders the heart of a man. That's where he's going to judge. That's where he's going to look. That's where he's going to assess anyone. And he says, if you are called to be part of a kingly company, a Melchizedek order on the earth, a kingdom people, then your heart is in the hand of God. And like rivers of water, he's going to cause it to turn the way he wants to. See, when we give ourselves to God and we allow him full access to our lives, to our hearts, then God will start to move our hearts the way he wants to. He'll allow the water flow in the direction that he wants. We won't stop it. And that's wonderful. And that's what we need to do. Allow God access into our hearts so that he can move our hearts the way he wants to. It would be good to see how God views the human heart that is fallen and why he promises us a new heart and a new spirit. Possibility is that heart of the fallen human nature cannot be repaired. That's why God's giving us a brand new heart. He's not reviving Adam's heart. If I look at the scripture, and I'll read it to you just now, he wants to give us a brand new heart and not revive the old heart. So until we can overthrow that darkness in our hearts and receive a brand new heart, uh, we will not be able to overthrow the darkness in anybody else's hearts. So God has chose to hide his ways of dealing with the powers of darkness by working through the hearts of men. In this way, the enemy had no access. He has no access to what's going on in the heart. We read in Ezekiel 11, 19 to 20, and I will give them one heart. See, it's not going to be a divided heart. I will give them one heart, a perfect heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give them a heart of flesh. Verse 20 says that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. So when God gives us a new heart, that new heart is going to be an obedient heart. That heart is going to keep God's will, purpose, his statutes. We read in Ezekiel 18, 31 to 32, cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby you have transgressed. Make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him, that diet, says the Lord God, wherefore turn yourselves and live. Again, there's a plea in the book of Ezekiel that 
in order to get rid of these transgressions you need a new heart you need a new spirit why do you want to die god does not take pleasure in anyone's death he's giving us an opportunity to make right ezekiel 36:25 to 28 tells us then will i sprinkle clean water upon you you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will i cleanse you a new heart also will i give you and a new spirit will i put within you and i will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and i will give you a heart of flesh and i will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes you shall keep my judgments and do them and you shall dwell in the land that i give to your fathers and you shall be my people and i will be your god once again plea from god is that we should desire to allow him to give us a new heart and a new spirit this new heart is actually found in the spirit of god in us because the holy spirit of god carries the complete identity of god the father and we read 1 corinthians 2:10 says nobody knows god better than his own spirit for he knows the bottomless things of god he searches the deep things of god because he is the spirit of god nobody knows man better than his own spirit so here we find that the heart of god or this new heart is in the spirit of god who lives within us the holy spirit carries the complete identity and blueprint of who god the father really is the word of god is given to us to clarify and illuminate the image of god resident in his holy spirit so when we see the word then we realize hey the holy spirit is carrying this new word this new heart otherwise we wouldn't know that the word gives us direction as to understand who the spirit is within us and to access all of the life the attributes the nature the divine nature character of god through his spirit once we are enlightened about the image of god this light displaces any darkness and misconceptions and brings truth now i will share later on as we go along what the transfiguration really is all about it's an amazing amazing experience that peter james and john saw on the outside if it happened in the heart they wouldn't be able to explain it to us they had to see it happen on the outside so that they could explain it to us but we will go to that at a later stage now i want us to look at how god began to view the human heart and how the human heart really fell from grace and from beauty i believe god gave adam a beautiful heart and um that um anything god made or created he was happy with but we know that adam's heart was uh, messed up and we'll see just now just how badly messed up it really was but right as early as genesis 6 5 to 6 we read and god saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually it repented the lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart so we can see god examines the human heart in genesis 6 
and he says what he saw shocked him it was just wickedness and every imagination and the thought of man's heart was evil continually that's when we find that the time of noah and the flood took place just after that we read in deuteronomy 8:2 to 7 and thou shall remember all the way which the lord thy god led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee to prove thee to know what was in thine heart whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or not so we see that god took the israelites through the wilderness on purpose to humble them he took them for 40 years to prove what was in their hearts whether they will keep his commandments or not whether they will obey him or not and then he goes on to say in verse 3 and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger fed thee with manna which thou knewest not neither did your fathers know that he might make thee know that man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the lord doth man live your raiment did not wax old upon you neither did your feet swell these 40 years you shall also consider in your heart that as a man chastens his son so the lord your god chastens you therefore you shall keep his commandments the commandments of the lord your god to walk in his ways and to fear him for the lord your god brings you into a good land a land of brooks of water of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills so god had a great plan for the children of israel and he purposely allowed their hearts to be exposed to be tested to be tried to be proved to see what they will say and when there was no food they complained he gave them food from heaven manna and he taught them something man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of god he took care of them he kept them away from evil beasts yes he chastised them but we also need to know in the season that god allows us to go through certain difficulties in order to help our hearts to come to the place of exactness that is why these trials and that is why israel went through these major trials in the wilderness they should have passed that way within a few days but it took them 40 years in the wilderness and in that time of that 40 years they went through many tests and yes many of them perhaps all of them that came out of egypt failed the test except for joshua and caleb and the children that were born in the wilderness who actually crossed over even though the works were finished from the foundations of the earth they didn't make it simply because they didn't believe god they murmured they complained in the season let's just be very careful not to murmur not to complain not to get angry not to be bitter not to be upset with god because god has a great plan for our lives for where he's taking us let's not miss the mark and be disqualified i will continue with how god sees the human heart and then we will go on to some new things concerning the heart god bless you as you prepare each day listening to the word and getting closer to the will and purpose of god dear family a very good morning to you 
we are busy dealing with the issue of the heart. We've looked at the perfect heart and what it should look like. If we are truly born again and the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, he is carrying the heart of God. And we need to look at the heart of God. And when we do, we will be changed. We looked at how God wants to give us a new heart prophetically. Ezekiel saw a picture of how God is taking away the heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh and a new spirit. And I do believe that perhaps we will be having the heart of God, exactly the same heart as God. And that's the heart he wants to give to us. We can't describe this heart as a physical thing. While the human heart physically is a physical organ, it's a life blood organ that pumps blood to the body. But we also know that this that we are talking about is a spiritual matter. And we look at how God viewed the human heart and why God really wanted to then give humanity a new heart. We looked at how God saw wickedness in the heart. We also looked at how the imaginations of the heart were altogether evil. We looked at the Israelites in the wilderness and how they went through trials and testings just to prove their hearts. God was their provider. He didn't fail to provide for them. But even in the midst of all of that provision, they still complained. Now in this season, most of us who know God are never without food, shelter, protection. We need to make sure that we are not murmuring, complaining, angry, bitter, but also we need to be careful that we are not failing to believe God. Because when we hear about all that's going on in this pandemic, about the coronavirus and what it is doing, and the more we engage ourselves with what is happening in the world, um, sometimes fear and anxiety can come in. So much so that we can feel like God has abandoned us or God is not aware of what's going on or that God is far away and the devil is now wreaking havoc in the earth. But just like the Israelites, God had promised them that they will enter the promised land, a land of milk and honey, a land of plentiful, a land of ripe grain, a land of fruit, they would never be short of anything. But in the wilderness, while they were going through a difficulty, they could not see the manifestation of that next level called the promised land. In the midst of the darkness today in the earth, we must not fail to see that there's a glory coming and we have to prepare for that glory. Therefore, we must not be disqualified in the season because of the darkness. We must keep our eyes focused on the light, keep our eyes focused on the author and finisher of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
keep our eyes focused on the word. If we are going to focus on the darkness, it will definitely bring trepidation, fear, worry, anxiety, depression. But if we focus on the word, it will definitely keep us in a place of absolute joy and excitement for what is about to come. And remember, we call the things that are not as if they are. So we can bring the glory and the the future, the light, the blessings of God into being. Sometimes I wonder if we are not going through all of this and the whole world is also suffering just to bring the church to a place of exactness, to bring the church to a place where our hearts are so perfected in how we view God, in how much we believe God, in how much we love God, in just how much life there is in our hearts. I guess if we had to examine and weigh our hearts, we need to find out what our hearts just full of. If it's full of bad news, worry and sadness, fear, then we haven't actually reached there. So I make a humble appeal to all of us this morning that we need to, at this time, fill our hearts with the word. Be preoccupied with the word. I am not saying that um, there are not some very difficult and dismal things that are taking place out in the earth. But what I'm saying is, let us not give ourselves to grieving and depression. So we also read in Deuteronomy 8, 10 to 18, that this is what the Lord was saying to the Israelites. He was preparing them. He says, when you have eaten and you are full, when, then you must bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. He's preparing them for what is coming. And I think the church must bring this pandemic to an end by preparing ourselves so well that there will be no more need for any kind of testing in our lives, that we pass the test quickly. And I think this is what this period is all about, especially the lockdown for the church. And then he says in verse 10, verse 11, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command you this day. Lest when you have eaten, you are full, you have built goodly houses, and you dwell therein, your herds and flocks multiply, your silver and your gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought you forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers knew not, that he might humble you and that he might prove you to do you good in the latter end, that you do not say in your heart, my power and my might, the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth, that you will always remember the Lord your God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. Now you can see how God is preparing the Israelites in the wilderness so that they do not kill themselves and destroy themselves. Because the truth of the matter is they could when they get into the promised land and everything goes really well 
they have good homes, good food, gold, silver, their flocks multiply, they shot of nothing, that they would say, wow, this is my kingdom, exactly like Nebuchadnezzar. Isn't this great Babylon that I have built with my hands? So he prepares you beforehand. Otherwise, when the glory comes, you will think, or we will think that we are so smart because we have been so good. Therefore, we are walking in this kind of glory. When the kingdom comes to us on the earth and we become rulers in the earth of the kingdom of God, we must not think that we or our power or our wealth or our strength have gotten us this glory and victory. Therefore, the need for proper preparation beforehand. The testing is there to make you realize that it is God. There will be some very pertinent issues that we will deal with as we go along in the area of strength, in the area of um, grace, in the area of provision. These are very important because when we get there and the glory descends upon humanity, we will die if we take the glory for ourselves. Therefore, we have to prepare very well. Now you see what happened to man. Why did man end up this way where he constantly took the glory for himself? It's my hard work. It's my intelligence. It's my beauty that has gotten me the wealth. You know, the big beauty bucks and brains has been running in the earth for a very long time. And that is lifting up of human flesh, devoid of the glory of God. But we read in Psalm 73 and verse 20, a very interesting scripture, and we see how man really got messed up. The psalmist here, it's not David, but one of the psalmists is saying, as a dream which seems real until one awakens, so, O Lord, when you arouse yourself to take note of the wicked, you will despise their outward show. In other words, God is going to take note of everyone, our behavior, how we behave towards others, how we behave once we enter into the place of glory. And he says, For my heart was grieved, embittered, and in a state of ferment, and I was pricked in my heart as with the sharp fang of an adder. So foolish, stupid, and brutish was I, and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You do hold my right hand. The psalmist is agreeing that actually his heart was pricked, as if it was pricked with the sharp fang of an adder. Now, we all know that if an adder has to really prick you, it will prick you in your flesh. But he's not talking about that kind of a natural adder. He's talking about the adder in the garden that pricked the heart of Adam. And that poison remained. And that poison passed on from one generation to another. And that poison caused the heart of man to become grieved, embittered, in a state of ferment. It fermented, that poison fermented. Hence, today we have as I call it, a multiplicity of depravity. We have multiple sins. We have sins that have emanate, are emanated out of 
the one sin of Adam. It multiplied and filled the earth to an extent that we have had such depravity in the earth that we've never seen before. The worst of the worst of sins we have ever seen, like pregnant women being killed, people being slaughtered, um, children, babies, few months old being raped. It's like we have never seen these sins before. These are really ugly human trafficking. People are children and people are put into boxes, transported to other areas. Um, sexual activities that bog, boggle the mind. You cannot imagine um, how these things take place in the earth. So we have seen that um, sins have really multiplied. But the wonderful thing is we're going to see how uh, when we gaze at the Lord's heart, because we've got to look at the Lord's heart, and when we gaze at the Lord's heart, we will find that we will embrace the Lord's heart. That heart will become ours. We have already peaked at seven facets of the heart very generally. Yeah, uh, how a, what a perfect heart should look like. But we will look further at some very pertinent issues that perhaps we need to clarify um, in our own lives. And you can see clearly that man's heart became embittered and fermented. And then we read in Jeremiah 17 and verse 1, it says, The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with the point of a diamond, it is graven upon the table of their heart and upon the horns of the altar. Now you and I know that when you engrave something, uh, it's engraved, it has a permanent marking. Here, the prophet is giving a picture of Judah's heart being engraved with a pen of iron the point of a diamond. So what he's basically saying, it sounds as if the engraving in Judah's heart is permanent. It is so deeply inscribed, engraved, carved almost, hacked, so much so that that heart can't be revived because of what is written. Now I can understand why God would want to give us a new heart. So I'm going to leave that with you so that you realize that this is how God views the human heart. This is how he's viewed the human heart in the Old Testament. We'll also look at the New Testament and find out how when Jesus came, he kept talking about the human heart. He exposed the heart throughout the Gospels so that man would take note that we cannot live a religious life anymore and think that because we're called Christian, because we go to church, because we are part of a uh, program and we are faithful going to church, uh, that we are actually in a good place. I think that there was a necessity for the church to be locked down at this time 
so that we can take account, become accountable, so that we can begin to see that God is busy preparing us to deal with the issue of the heart. I've given you the cherry on the top when I showed you what the perfect heart looks like. Now I begin to show you what the human heart looks like so that you will see how we can get to the perfect heart. I always show you what's beautiful like God does. He shows you the glory first and then he tells you there will be suffering before the glory. So dear family, let's prepare well during this time. Let's not waste this time no matter how busy you are. Again, I make an appeal to everyone. Let's prepare well. Take time off. Spend time with the Word. Spend time with God. God bless you until we share more truths again.